0: Hello and welcome to this latest edition of the Powder Blue Podcast. My name is Frank Close. I'm joined by Jeff Mosher and Hunter Brody. And gentlemen, for the first time, now we've talked about Arizona. We talked about Arizona and Florida. We talked about Arizona, Florida, and Texas. We talked about everything in between, playing on an island in the middle of the South Pacific. There's an actual proposal now where Major League Baseball could be played. And that's kind of the big story today. How are you guys doing? Oh,
1: yeah.
2: I- i'm I'm good, but I'm really like I feel like a um, I think Hunter feels this way too. I feel like this is an emotional game of tug of war. <laughs> and I'm re- like, we are the guy in the middle? And I'm just like, please just tell me there's either gonna be baseball or not because I- i'm I'm tired of getting like really, really like into it and then like, eh, it's not gonna happen. Then yes. And then oh, it's just not gonna happen. Just tell me. Either stick a fork in me or give me baseball.
1: Right, right, right. I was going to say, oh, yeah, I'm starting to get my juices going just a bit because it seems legit that this 80-game schedule might be a thing. And the only problem at this point is it's going to have to come down to money. The billionaires and the millionaires are now fighting to see who's going to get paid what, and that's going to be a big-time problem. But, you know, we see this proposal of maybe July 4th, and I just want to put it in comparison to where we are now. That's eight weeks away And we've been in quarantine for eight weeks, so it's still a decent time away for things to happen.
0: Well, let's break down what this latest proposal is. And from what we understand, this is a pretty legitimate proposal. And the items that we're going to get to go over have actually been discussed. And a step above that, as reported by many outlets on Monday, including the Associated Press. This is agreed to by the owners, so... Now, when we have these conversations, we know there's something to it. And I think that's that's that makes this the perhaps the more most encouraging development that we've we've seen just yet. So let's let's break down a little bit of this. And, you know, Ken Rosenthal did a good job sort of breaking this proposal uh, on Saturday. And by Monday, uh, the owners did meet, talked about uh, all the different things Ken Rosenthal had said and and. by Monday, we kind of know what those things were and what they kind of worked out among the owners. So let's break down some of this. Now, Ronald Blum of the Associated Press had a good breakdown uh, about this. So first, we'll talk about the number of games. So uh, 82 is the number that's the number right here. So so basically a hockey season or a basketball season. So let me ask you guys first. Let's start with you, Jeff. Is 82 good enough to, to play a baseball season? Uh, that's almost an existentialist question. I mean, <laughs> it's baseball
2: or not baseball, right? I mean, uh, is it going to be the same? No. 82, what is it? Baseball is 162 games. So 82 is almost like a half of a season. Uh, we've, we, we've been through something similar. Well, I don't know. A Hunter was, was, I don't know if Hunter was born in he
1: was 1994. I was not born in 1994. No, were you, I was not. I might have been <laughs> oh. in the stomach, depending on what time oh, of the year it was. <laughs> Anyway, stop making us
0: feel old, Jeff. Continue.
2: Two-thirds of this podcast has been through a shortened, uh, strike shortened (laughs) season before. Uh, Now, that was kind of in reverse, right? So it's like the the season, there was no World Series that year. Um, So that really, that sucked a lot, where you had baseball, and then it was taken away from you and no closure. This at least gives you a starting point, theoretically, and an ending point. We've said it all along. We're going to have to just readjust what we expect out of our baseball season this year. I do think 82 games is, for what we're talking about, going to be satisfactory.
0: Does that do it for you,
2: Hunter? It
1: does. It does. I'm actually pleasantly surprised with the number 82. We can still salvage this thing, and it can be something where, you know, it's enough where teams are playing a decent amount of games. There will be teams that battle out to the top, and it's not, for example, if you played 30 games, that's such a small amount of numbers that, you know, a team can play red hot for those 30 games and make it 82. You still got to play decent ball for a significant amount of time.
2: Uh, let's put it this way, Frank, and I think you'd agree with me on this and maybe 102. I'll take 82-game season over a stupid baseball tournament that
1: we, okay, had, yeah, that that had, you about know, that? any
2: day of the week, any time of the week. I, baseball is a marathon sport. It's not a tournament
1: sport. Well, it might actually benefit the Phillies, though, because if you think about this, we always <laughs> collapse in that August, right? The last couple of years, at least. You collapse in the August and the September. Well, you know, this might give them a little benefit of the doubt here. They might be able to push through and not have to worry about that collapse.
2: Or the collapse just starts one month into their season. <laughs> oh, which, come on. You got to be that
0: guy. <laughs> By the way, since since you brought it up, 2019, after 82 games, the Philadelphia Phillies were 43 and 39, and that was tied for the fourth best record in the National League. So they'd be a playoff team.
1: Proves my point.
0: (laughs) So, but then are they gonna have a? Every season should be like this. (laughs) But of course, they did not play all the the, the different uh, opponents that they would otherwise play. But but eighty two, that's going to be the number. It seems like now. Again, we'll we'll talk about the players' association later about whether or not they'll like it. But but for us, that's 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 the first thing here. Now, how about the second thing here? Teams play in their home ballparks with no fans. But if they need to, they can pivot to spring training sites. So, for example, if there's an outbreak of COVID nineteen in say Philadelphia. The Phillies can simply fly to Clearwater and play there instead if it is better for their health. What do you think of that opportunity, Jeff?
2: I think it sounds like a strange, but only rational other, uh, you know, plan B for a situation like that. I just, you know, what constitutes a COVID outbreak? Is it a certain percentage of households? Is it, well, you know, like take New York, right? When this start. When this began, there was a, a pocket of um, like right up uh, north of Manhattan, uh, New Rochelle, right, which is like uh, north of the city on the way to Connecticut that had a real big outbreak. And it was like this pocket of New York that was inconsistently suffering more so than the rest of New York until the rest of New York caught up. So you, what if you had a case in Philly where South Philly Had the outbreak, right? Well, obviously, that's where they play the game. Or what if it was the Northeast? Would they be able to then play the games in South Philly? I feel like it's way too open ended and vague
1: when they say if there's a COVID outbreak. What constitutes an outbreak? Well, I'm thinking more about the traveling and, you know, they're playing in these ballparks. Well, that means they're going to have to travel. Now, Clearly, they're not going in commercial with millions of people and everyone's taking all these planes everywhere. They're going to be in their own bubble flying to these places or traveling to these places along the East Coast. But still, it does seem a little weird to me that that's just open as if, hey, you guys can travel wherever instead of using this quarantine method like you're hearing the NBA talk about maybe doing it just in Disney or just in Las Vegas. If if that's an option, why wouldn't you go with that option? It seems safer.
2: I definitely have Frank severe doubts whether baseball can pull this off because what, what Hunter just described with the travel being in an airplane, that's going to circulate the same air. You're asking every single player who's involved and every coach who's involved manager who's involved, maybe front office person who's involved to be doing this, the traveling and, and being close and everything like that. And yet be able to quarantine and stay away and not pick up COVID. So I, if, if if baseball can pull that off, God bless them. But I, I don't see how based on the information that we have right now.
0: And one more interesting thing about the location. So there's not really travel between the U.S. and Canada right now. So they actually say the Toronto Blue Jays could be the Dunedin Blue Jays to at least start the season. So that's an interesting thing there, too, because, you know, just. You know, Clearwater's neighbor is Dunedin, Florida, where the Blue Jays train. Well, that might be their home base for a while. So that's an interesting uh, little little wrinkle in this, too. But since you mentioned the regional travel, let's get to the next point here. Essentially, they're going to play regionally. So the AL East and the NL East will play each other. The NL Central, the AL Central will play each other. The AL West, the NL West. So they're trying to find ways to keep them from traveling too much. Now let me ask you this Hunter does it make a difference if you're only flying between Boston and Miami or you know what's the difference between that or flying from Boston to, to San
1: Diego Well I mean you're you're traveling longer distances right I mean in theory you're still getting in the plane and you're going somewhere but if you're doing that for longer trips and I, I don't know because We don't know how this coronavirus travels, right? Like, does it matter? If nobody has it, and everyone who's in the plane, they all do not have it, and you're flying from Philly to Boston, let's just say, okay, well, how is that going to hurt anyone? Oh, if you put the same scenario, they're flying from Philly to San Diego, and nobody has it. Does it hurt anyone, even though it's a longer ride? In theory, I would say no, right? But I don't know. I just don't know how this all works.
2: I have so many questions. You know, the NBA shut down when it found out one person had COVID, right? It was Donovan Mitchell. Not Donovan Mitchell. It was Rudy Gobert. Uh, no, yeah, yeah. It was Rudy Gobert. Yeah, they both and had then it. They sh- Right, but they shut it down. So you're telling me the baseball has this elaborate plan that they've spent weeks developing and they've got it worked out. What happens if one player... Test
0: positive for COVID. What are they That do? does not seem to be clear just yet. You know, do you just quarantine that player? Do you quarantine everybody he was around, including the entire yeah, team? Too do late. they all have to just take two weeks off? You know, like seems to be the, the regular number. You know, my my good friend or roommate had it uh, who was a nurse. And well, so... How does
1: the how does the KBO get around this right now to the point where they're high in each other and, and they're doing the same thing where they're getting swabbed and they're getting tested and, you know, it seems like they have some sort of method. So uh, until someone tests positive in the league, we don't know what they're going to do. Well, that's what do. I was
2: going to say. In fairness, they just started this thing up. And who knows a week or two or now how well it's going to work out for them.
0: Now, some of these, some of the testing is much more advanced than it was, you know, March 12th when things suspended. There are some rapid response tests, although, although even the one that we saw in the White House with the outbreak in the White House, they're... There's a 15 percent false positive uh, or excuse me, false negative uh, response on those. So uh, so it's getting better and getting better and getting better. But we'll see. Maybe. I mean, heck, it's been two months. Right. You just said that, Jeff. Right. You know, it was March 12th that they packed up in Clearwater. and came, mm-hmm. Two months seems to be a long time. Right. In terms of development. So maybe they're kind of banking that by a month from now, which will be mid June. That's that's kind of the, the date that they have picked for spring training two to begin. Maybe it'll be even more advanced at this point. I mean, right? I mean, that's that's kind of reasonable to think, right? Well, yeah. I kind of want to bring
1: something up. Remember last episode, we talked about Jeff Passan and how he kind of downplayed Trevor Plouffe's report a bit and said, you know, well, it's on the table, but it doesn't really mean much because there's still a lot that has to go on. What was it? The next day, he came out with this full report, and we questioned <laughs> if that was part of his game plan. I think we were on to something.
0: You I were on to so. something. You went. Yeah. You're you're being humble. Like I'll give all the credit to you I'm because blushing. I don't want to be associated with your ideas. But um, well, wait, since you said it, Frank, I'm sorry, but I'm
2: I'm thinking now. If baseball was really smart, wouldn't the wouldn't you make the Toronto Blue Jays become the Buffalo? Blue exactly and exactly in the northeast traveling to new york and boston and cleveland and you know pittsburgh they're all cities that you can take buses to
1: if you needed no, to no, no, no. That, that is would a great sense that, oh, that sense that is My a fault. tremendous <laughs>
0: point that actually i wanted to bring up you know that you know sorry. buffalo if if you're not aware buffalo is the buffalo bisons they are the triple a affiliate of the toronto blue jays right why aren't they saying this about any 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 of these teams right i mean like uh if you're, if all of a sudden St. Petersburg has an outbreak, I mean, why not go play in Durham, you know, the Durham bulls, right? I mean, that's the raised triple a team. I mean, it seems like these facilities are adequate, that they could do this anywhere, not just the spring training sites, but, uh, but I, I like that idea a lot better, Jeff, that, that they could mm-hmm. play at their, their triple a home rather than their Florida home. I mean, I guess it's the broadcast,
2: play- right? I mean, the, every game is going to be broadcast on a regional network, I imagine. So why are you going to make the people from Toronto fly all the way down to Dunedin and spend their time there away from their families and during this Buffalo is uh, a much quicker trends. You know, I don't want to say it's right across the river, but, or, or the falls, but it's, it's a hey. lot more feasible.
0: Hey, here's a question. Will the broadcasters be allowed into the United States <laughs> to even, <laughs> to even do that? Question. So yeah, that, that's, that's another thing that, that could possibly happen here. So we'll, we'll have to see, but yeah, I mean, I mean, why limit it to just the, the class A stadiums when you have several affiliates that could, could help a team out, you know, and maybe, mm-hmm. you know, you mentioned maybe there's an outbreak in Northeast Philly. So maybe you just say, all right, guys, let's get the the, the, the uh, bus and go up to Allentown and, and play, play where the Lehigh Valley iron pigs play. So uh, I wonder if that'll be in the cards. I wonder if that will be discussed. And I think, I think there's at least a sort of sense of home for the major league players in, in Dunedin. I guess that's the one advantage, you know, because they do spend six weeks there in, in, in the spring and, it's very familiar to them, and at least, at least the team offices are there, so that might be the difference. But, but, but you're right. I mean, Buffalo is right across, right across the little old lake <laughs> between, <laughs> between Toronto and Buffalo. Now, did they say All
1: anything, right. Frank, about the the whole family situation? Because I know that was a big thing with one of the nine million reports that came out over the last few months was about them being so quarantined that they weren't going to be able to see their family, and there were some players that were just having kids and they were having to go see their kids be born and very important things, you know, has that been brought up in this new report?
0: Not yet. Now, Mike Trout was the big one. Mike Trout basically said, look, I I don't want to be isolated in Arizona when my wife is giving birth to my first child. So uh, for Mike Trout or any player, right? I mean, I I would hope that anybody in any job everywhere has the opportunity to see their children born. I mean, I think that's, that's something that people deserve and, and I don't think they need to, to, to perhaps quarantine for two weeks if they go do it. But I, you know, I, I think that they're perhaps learning more about um, the, the spread of the disease and, and, and ways that it's, it's, it's uh, going to be transmitted. You know, if you're outdoors that they say that it's really hard to catch it outdoors. So, so if they're playing in an outdoor facility in open air, you know, they're, they're probably okay for the games. Now the, we'll get, we'll talk about the player perspective in a little bit and, and, and some of their concerns are about the closed quarters for like the, the locker rooms and stuff like that. But um, but, you know, they might be able to, to have enough information that they can do this where it's it's not going to be so, so dramatic where uh, like like at the beginning of this, where we, we felt that everybody would transmit it if you just walked it, walk past somebody on the street. You know, it seems like it's a they have a little bit more of the science about the, the how the droplets are spread and, and the, the, the prime condition. So I think that will certainly um, affect how this uh, goes forward. All right. So I'm going to get through this list in this first segment, if we can. So let, let's keep going down the, the, uh, the, the list here playoffs. They're going to, to do something that they proposed a while back. And that was to have, have seven playoff teams per league, seven per league. So you gotta, you gotta imagine that you'll have your division winners. So that accounts mm-hmm. for, for six total out of these 14. And that's a lot of wild cards. So, why do you think you do this now? Is there an advantage to, to to throw this new playoff scheme in this year as all this is going on? Will that help circumstances, Jeff? Mm,
2: I think it's actually a good way for MLB to kind of test and see how they think that format works out because people might complain about it, but they're going to complain about it being a non-traditional year anyway. So the worst they can get, or, or if you think about it the other way, the best they can get is that, hey, people really liked it, and then they feel more confident with it going forward. People say they don't like it. Baseball, which is going to do this anyway, is going to say, that's because people just didn't like the whole fact that baseball wasn't baseball. And uh, so I think it's a perfect time for them. You know, I'm, I'm putting my, ML, my, my uh, Manfred cap on right now. And um thinking that they're pro- that's how they're probably seeing it.
1: Yeah, I think this is a good chance to give it a shot. You can see what it will be like, similar to everything else that they're possibly changing as well. And I'm sure we'll get down that on the list. But, you know, they're throwing it out there. They're giving it a chance. They're going to see what it's like. And because it is a shortened season, maybe it ties into something I said before, where if you are a team that's—because the games aren't—it's not 162, a full-game season— it allows teams to maybe get in there good teams that didn't have the best regular season, but they're still really solid and maybe they get hot at the right time. It still gives them an opportunity to compete in the playoffs.
0: And and here's what, here's one thing I want to throw out there. So, so I mentioned a little while ago that the Phillies at 82 games last year were 43 and 39. I also mentioned they were tied with the Colorado Rockies for fourth place. Now, did either team make the playoffs last year? No, no, Right. So maybe the smaller sample size, you almost have to offer this because you might argue that last year's Colorado Rockies and last year's Philadelphia Phillies didn't deserve to make the playoffs. Now, who won the World Series last year?
2: Yeah, Let's you forget forgot.
0: already. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't the Astros. No, it was the Nationals. No, it was the Washington Nationals. Well, 82 games in, they were two games behind the Phillies and would not have made the playoffs if 82 was the cutoff. So right. So I do you it. need yeah. to have a, because the sample size is smaller, does that mean that you have to almost take more teams just so nobody's left out that probably deserve to be there? I don't know if it means
2: you have to, but I think it makes a pretty good case for why you would want to open it up. You know, it's a shortened season. You know, some teams are going to struggle out of the box just because, you know, like the Nationals last year, some teams are going to get hot. And you want to give as many teams a chance to prove themselves in a shortened time frame. So, so I can see the the legitimacy to that.
1: Yeah, you made some decent points. Oh,
0: <laughs> gee, thank you.
1: <laughs> they were they were good points. They were really good points. <laughs> decent points.
0: Decent points. Gosh, Hunter, Hunter, giving us some some credit for once. Wow. Now okay. we know what happens when Hunter has nothing to add
2: to a conversation. He's just going to say, "You made some good points."
1: <laughs> Isn't that how this works?
2: Moving on. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I don't know how to. I don't know how to move on after that. Actually, and you totally like, <laughs> that- totally thrown me. You've totally thrown me off here. So now, um, so so yeah. So then there are there. There's one more thing here, and I think this is going to carry us into to really the next next segment here, because the last thing about it here is what do you pay the players? Now let's recap what was happening before, uh, when game when gameplay stopped back in March. There was a $170 million front from MLB to to front some money to to the players, kind of in advance of their salaries, recognizing that they would have to pay some bills while they were shut down. They might not have expected to be shut down this long, but kind of the deal was when we come back, we'll play the prorated number of games, and we will pay you based on the prorated number. So, for example, since JT Romuto has a nice round number of $10 million, If he's going to make $10 million for for 162 games, if they play 81, he would get $5 million, right? That's what they agreed to. But here's the problem. There's no tickets being sold. And therefore, revenue is way down. Besides the tickets themselves, it's the concessions. It's the $14 beers. It's the $9 hot dogs, right? That's, That's a good source of revenue for major league teams. So again, we're going to get into this in more depth next, next segment, but what's a, what's a realistic way, Jeff, that you can actually say to the players, look, we can't have you earn what you agreed to earn, but (laughs) what comes after that? But Jeff,
2: no, that's a great question. And of course I have questions. I need, I want to know, do TV rights stay the same or do those get renegotiated for this year? And in my mind, because you've seen how the NFL drafted and you know that everybody's at home, I think it stands to, to reason that um, ratings are going to be really high locally on all the RSNs that, that cover uh, these regional teams, right? And so if they're making more money, the owners, from TV rights, that helps them you know, compensate from what they're losing from a gate receipt, then maybe the players shouldn't have to ask for that uh, much less money.
1: Yeah, no, that's a good point. I I just know this. I don't know how they're going to get it done. I know it's going to be a sticky situation because both parties are not going to want to budge, and the millionaire owners are going to want to continue to make a lot of money, but these players are going to want to get paid what they feel is right. They're both going to have to make an agreement where they're going to have to take some and give some, and they both need to do that because there's people out there like us who want sports back on, and if it's going to be a waiting match between these two, when we know or think we know know that we can get sports back, but it's just a fight between money. I feel like that's going to be a really ugly look for the league, the owners, and the players. At some point, someone's going to have to budge. They're going to have to mutually agree so we can get sports. Well,
2: the good thing is that there, if there is baseball, that the owners and the players are going to make more money than if there's not baseball. So they can fight it all they want. But at the end of the day, both sides are going to want to make more money than not making money, so they'll figure that out.
0: All right. Well, well, we'll break into that a little bit more during our next segment, but it's our time for our first break. This is the Powder Blue Podcast. Frank Close, Jeff Mosher, Hunter Brody. We'll be back right after this. And welcome back to the Powder Blue Podcast. Frank Close, Jeff Mosher, Hunter Brody. And we are talking about, finally, a brand new proposal that is actually out there approved by major league baseball owners. It's no more conjecture. It's no more let's leak something to one of the major media outlets like Jeff Passan or or Bob Nightingale and see what everybody thinks about it. (laughs) So this, this is a hardcore proposal and this is one that is uh, accepted by the owners. Although the problem is this is the one accepted by the owners. Now that gets (laughs) us to our next point. Now the MLB players association is run by, um, Tony, um, Tony Clark, I'm sorry, I don't know why I thought, forgot his name for a second, former first baseman for the Detroit Tigers, maybe remember him. He was a nice player in his day. But Six Tony foot Clark, seven, I think. What's that? Six foot seven. Yeah, tall guy, tall guy, uh, uh, but nice, nice player in his day. Now he now leads the Players Association, and they're supposed to meet with him tomorrow to talk about this. Now, I don't think the players are just going to simply say, Okay, and they'll be on with their day. So here's here's something really funny I want to throw out there. Andy Martino. Maybe you remember Andy Martino. He wrote for the Philadelphia Inquirer for a little while, but he is with uh, the um, Sports Network in New York uh, that, that covers the New York Mets, so the, the, basically their version of NBC Sports Philly. But, water. yep, and, uh, Andy Martino, he says, uh, expectation in the industry is the union will turn down MLB's initial proposal. A negotiation would then ensue. And then I love this next thing. He says, Scott Boris will be quoted during that time. Well, Scott <laughs> Boris already had something to say, but and actually so, so did Tony Clark. So let's break down a little bit what people are saying here. So so uh, Tony Clark actually immediately um, responded to this this proposal. And what do you think his reaction is? Probably hell no. <laughs> well, here's here's what's going to come down to here so that the the. the re, the report says that baseball owners and players, they would go to a 50-50 split of the revenue. That the owners and players, we'd figure out what it is, split it down the middle. And uh, and this is Stephanie Epstein of of SI.com. She writes that, uh, just to sort of quote her on, on the terms of this deal, it says that... Uh, they would ask the players to forego their salaries and instead split all revenue 50-50, that they would play 82 games, and that they would expand the playoffs to 14 teams. Okay, so now the details are, are, are basically that. Now, what, let's just talk about the, the revenue split to, from the beginning. Is that enough going to the players
2: 50-50? I think theoretically that sounds like a good idea. I just don't think the players are ever going to agree to it. I don't think they trust that the owners would give them the accurate, number because in order for the players to know what 50 50 is they have to know what the entire pot is and the only flow of information on what the pot is is going to come from mlb the owners there's not a lot of trust between players and owners in any organization in any league so i just don't see that being case but how would that work by the way what so they get no salary until after the year and then what everybody gets one big lump sum
0: yeah, that's that's the real question here. How are you able to how are you able to really gauge that? Like, are you going to, have to go like a few weeks by a few weeks? Like, you know, like a salesperson gets your commission check based on how they did the last couple of weeks. I mean, I think that's a that's a really, really tough one to to, to consider. And here. H- how do you divvy it up? Like, let's
2: say theoretically, let's use a number. Let's say baseball generates a billion dollars this year. Big number. Ridiculous, but whatever. So the players get a half a billion. How does that get distributed among the players? I was going to
1: say, what does Mike Trout make compared to Vince Velasquez? Yes. (laughs) Yeah,
0: that's a a real concern. How do you figure that out? Now, here's, here's Tony Clark's response, all right? He says, a system that restricts player pay based on revenues is a salary cap, period. And he says, MLB is trying to take advantage of a global health crisis to get what they failed to achieve in the past. Hmm. Now, is he being the hardline, um, you know, players' association rep here, or or is there some validity to what he's saying? Like this is, you know, they're almost taking advantage of the situation to make there be a hardline cat.
2: Let Let me tell you something. Uh, you guys both know this already, right? And so does most people. The Major League Baseball could have presented, could be presenting tomorrow, the the union, the players' union, with the most perfectly articulated, well written greatest set of documents n- ever created in the history of the world. And Tony Clark would look at it and say, we're not doing this. Th- that's just the reality of negotiations between players and you. It's just, it doesn't matter. So is there validity to the statement? Eh, maybe, I don't know. Um, was he going to turn down the original offer just because that's what you have to do? Yes. That's what that, that's exactly what was going to happen. doesn't matter how perfect the documentation is. In fact, I think the, it would be funny if they tried to call him on it once. If the document said the player is going to make 100% of the profits – and then, you know, not even tell them what it says. We're like, oh, no, we fundamentally turned this down.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that would be that would be something. Yeah, I mean, it seems like it would be a solid result and a solid answer, 50-50. Well, what is there to argue about? You're getting 50, you're getting 50. It makes a lot of sense. But I, I think it is important to value these players then, and I think that's where the difficulty is going to come in because you're going to have these superstar players that deserve way more than the bullpen guys, you know, like surrounding. Randy Dominguez, I know he's going through some stuff right now, but how do you pay him a certain amount but say, you know what, you're you're not worth as much as Bryce Harper though. So you're going to get paid this even though all the players are getting 50-50. I just think that is going to be a super messy situation.
2: I would add on to that, Frank, and I you know, I'd curious your thoughts. I mean, if you start to talk about the health and safety risks involved in this happening, it's certainly way more on the player side than the ownership side. It's easy for owners to be able to maintain their distance. They're not really putting their lives on the line to have baseball. I think the the players can make a fair argument that they deserve more than 50% just based on the risk inherent in playing the sport alone.
0: Yeah, I mean, we've talked about the, the, the frontline workers right now deserving hazard pay. Well, essentially, the owners are saying, we want you to be out there. And put yourself at risk so that we can profit. I mean, maybe maybe players aren't willing to do that. And unfortunately, I mean, I know that's an unfortunate side effect to a capitalistic system as it is. Not to talk economics too much, but people don't really like that. I mean, I've heard grocery workers say they don't like being put at risk, especially when 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 a um, now there's a lot of very well run grocery stores around here right now that protect their workers. But the ones that have been a little shoddy, you know, they they take that personally. And I don't think it matters how much money you make. Uh, you're, you're not going to want to be subject to that, right, Hunter?
1: Yeah, I have a question for you guys. Gil and I were talking about this today on the Sports Bash, and if there were, say, Mike Trout, Bryce Harper, Justin Verlander, Mookie Betts, all those players want to play, but 20 of the Cesar Hernandezes of the world don't feel like playing, do you think that the league would lean towards playing compared to if Trout, Bryce Harper, Verlander didn't feel like playing, but 20 Cesar Hernandezes did feel like going through, because where, where does the Players Association, where's the line drawn in terms of, you know, what type of players want to go through with this process?
0: You know, you make a great point, because the superstars have big salaries, they probably had a big salary the year before, and they have some money in the bank, but there's a lot of players out there fighting for their professional lives and 2020 might be their last shot at the big leagues and their last chance to earn some money for their family. So I think, I think you're, I think you're onto something. I don't think there's going to be a universal agreement among the players. I mean, maybe um, certainly won't be. Yeah. Do you give some players an out? Let's say, let's say that we're going to talk a little bit about Jake Diekman in a minute, but um, Jake Diekman has, has dealt with some issues. You know, he said he's had, he's had uh, colon surgeries and, and had all kinds of issues. He, what, let's say somebody like him says, look, I don't want to play under these conditions. Do you say, okay, you set this out for this year? Uh, well not fair to do? I
2: don't want to talk out of place here, but I feel like you know what's going to happen is majority rule is going to come into play. I mean, that's how when the NFL just had its recent um, CBA negotiations, there were players who didn't like it. There were players who liked it. At the end of the day, everybody had one vote, and the votes were tabulated among everybody. And there were enough people that wanted to pl- the CBA to go through that it went through, even though there were quite a lot of NFL players who didn't like the terms of the but CBA. do you think the and CBA think
1: what- and this pandemic is almost two different scenarios based off of this being some sort of natural, huge problem going on and not a standard CBA think, process?
2: Well, the, 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 the circumstances are certainly different. But at the end of the day, it's an, going to be a collectively bargained agreement, right? And at the end of the day, it's going to take a vote to decide. And I I think that that's where the protocol stays. And that's the players are going to vote. And if more players vote to play than don't play, then the guys who don't want to play or like Jake Diekman or whoever might feel it's too risky, they they cannot play. But then that's their choice to not be employed. I don't know if there's going to be a contingency.
0: And Diekman points out, you know, he's had the ulcerative colitis. He had a... He has an 18-month-old child and he doesn't want to put his child at risk. So there might be people that actually want to set this out. And and I, I think that maybe there should be room to to respect some of that. And and by the way, Sean Doolittle, you might know him of the Washington Nationals, the reliever. He had a pretty, pretty lengthy um Twitter, Twitter uh thread going on today expressing a lot of his concerns with this. And you know, if you kind of look at his, he says, you know, that the, he kind of goes through all the different ways that, that you would have to protect players, not just players. He said all the people that are involved in the production of the game. He wants to make sure that everybody is safe. Now, um, again, somebody like him, a veteran of the leagues, made his money. You know, maybe he's, he feels more comfortable saying that. But, you know, a lot of players, again, maybe that are fighting to, for, to, for a job at the major league minimum, they might have a, a difficult time uh, agreeing to do that, right?
2: Yeah. What did you mean, though, when you said if Jake Diekman, you know, because of his, um, I guess, maybe pre-existing conditions and things like that, does not want to play and that should be respected. Do you mean from a public perception standpoint, like we should say, Jake, we totally get it because uh, I do. I would. Well, respect yeah. That, I, but, well, I think the there's that. but if I He's think... not going to play. He's not going to be. Able... I don't think that he
1: gets paid for it. Right, just paid... For when the Phillies don't no. say, hey, we'll save you a spot for when you're ready because someone can come in and take it. And that's where the problem right. is. Yeah, right.
0: so I think that needs to be worked out. Can you have the opportunity to opt out of the season on your own, if put on some sort of restricted list if if you don't feel like that you want you want to take that risk? I think that's mm-hmm. that's a really really tough question. And there's going to be a lot of other tough questions. And uh, what we'll do in our last segment today is talk about how this impacts the Phillies in particular. Let's say this works out, will the Phillies be in a better s- spot or will they be in a more challenging situation? More after this, Frank Close, Jeff Mosher, Hunter Brody. This is the Powder Blue Podcast. And welcome back to the Powder Blue Podcast. Frank Close, Jeff Mosher, Hunter Brody. And we are talking about MLB owners' latest proposal to, to resume play in Major League Baseball. And this is a real proposal. There are people that are, are, are actually talking about this. This is not some, some dream package that's being floated out through reporters to see what people think. They want people to play in their home ballparks, play regionally. And there's a couple things here I want to talk about specifically about the Phillies. So we've been talking about the general proposal so far, but two things here are, are going to affect the Phillies big time. First, will be play against the National League East versus the National, excuse me, the American League East. They're going to expand the play to be regionalized. Therefore, the Phillies will play the Boston Red Sox. They'll play the New York Yankees. They'll play the Toronto Blue Jays, perhaps the Dunedin Blue Jays, the Tampa Bay Rays, and the Baltimore Orioles. So so there's that. And then that means, naturally, I say naturally, this is something we've talked about before, and I saved this for the last segment, there will be a designated hitter in 2020. Here it is. For all the time we've talked about this before, this is going to be it. So does this proposal about who they play about the designated hitter. Does this help the Phillies? Does this hurt the Phillies? Jeff, we'll start with you. I think it helps the
2: Phillies. I think um, because the Phillies are a little bit built sometimes like an American League team. Their pitching isn't great, but, you know, they've got a guy in Jay Bruce who is not going to start, but could theoretically start for a lot of teams and still hit you 25 home runs and drive in eight. I mean, he was... He was playing well for Seattle before he came back to the Phillies, right? Uh, from, a, from a power standpoint. He played I mean, well for gotten, the Phillies? Yeah, and then he played well for the Phillies. So, I mean, Roman Quinn is a guy that we talk about trying to get him into the lineup. And you can put him right there as the double leadoff thing. Uh, you know, batting ninth if you want to do or batting him leadoff and somebody else. You can get him and Hazley in the game if Hazley's hitting well. I think it does benefit them. Um
1: yeah, I mean, it really does. That just, just because I think they have got some good good punch off the bench right now. I think it benefits them too. The only difference I'll say is I think it also benefits other teams, maybe just as much as the Phillies. So then does it just equal itself out? Like I do think it will help the Phillies, but if you got to look at other teams' rosters and other teams competing, it might do the same thing for them. So at the end of the day, does it just put them right where they were? Maybe do they jump that- over some teams and other teams right. go lower? I mean...
2: That's a point. You know, it's more like an equalizer than a benefit. Right. I mean, it's going to benefit the National League teams who are now lumped in with American League teams who've been playing and building rosters with DH in mind for, you know, decades and centuries here. So now it gives the National League teams who have to play these American League teams a chance to match firepower with firepower. But from a strictly Phillies perspective, I mean, it may give an opportunity to get Alec Baum into the lineup. You know, uh, boom. Sorry. Uh, into the lineup and get a look at him. You know, for example, um, it, it, the whole shortened season may enable Spencer Howard, who everybody was worried about with the pitch pitch limit. Now you don't have to worry about that as much in a in a half a season. So let him loose. Yeah. Well, you
1: mentioned Spencer sure. Howard. Did you guys happen to hear? What Bryce Harper said on that Barstool Sports podcast about Spencer Howard and the and the Phillies front office, he was talking about how he really wanted to go to a place that was super smart and they wouldn't just trade up a ton of prospects just to go out and get a Chris Bryant. And it's funny that he mentioned Chris Bryant. He so, said, you know, that's one of my best friends, but I wanted to go to an organization that understood the power of prospects and the name that he brought up was Spencer Howard. So, you know, I just, I, I love hearing that. To me, that shows the front office knows how important Spencer Howard is, and hopefully, that means that he will turn into that and become something that this team is going to have to benefit from soon. Now, the one, the one, the one disadvantage
0: to that is if you played a regular season, Alec Bohm could come up in June, Spencer Howard could come up with June, and they would they would have six more years beyond this year. You're kind of burning a whole year of of control if you just. Cut them loose, uh, but, uh, uh, let's let's see what the CBA looks like first. Yeah, that's a, that's that a great question. That might be question. something that's written into the language. Uh,
1: that'll be really I interesting would think to it see. Would be if, yeah. if because you know be, you would love
0: to just cut these guys loose, right?
1: If that's going to be the thing to hold this back, you know, I mean, I'm sure that there's going to be plenty of other things, but you know, I think that that's one that is super reasonable to figure out. Yeah.
0: And so meanwhile, other teams in the league you're talking about, you know, if you think about the Mets, they have Dominic Smith. He might be their extra D.H. The Atlanta Braves. Maybe you're talking Austin Riley. I mean, mm-hmm. none of them really scare you in terms of the National League East teams. Uh, you know, hey, it works out for the Washington Nationals because, you know, uh, they, they you know, Zimmerman, he really can't play the field that well anymore. So I guess he can make him their D.H. And, and didn't they sign another first baseman? Uh, who's the lefty bat? I can't remember his name. Um, who, who's been a tremendous? Uh, he played for the Braves and the 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 uh, Cardinals. Donaldson? No, 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 no. no. Um. That? Well, anyway, yeah, Donaldson went to the Twins for some crazy. <laughs> yeah, that's deal, why right? I was confused. No, yeah. I know. who – yeah, yeah. I, yeah.
1: that, I was looking at the Nationals lineup the other day, actually, and there was a name on there, and it's a shame that I can't remember it either. But right, they wow, still have the probably, worst
0: ever that we forget. We forget the the, the names of players like this. It's all those I'll, I'll find it one second. Drinking. That this, this is this is this is ginger beer. This is non-alcoholic. Not oh, buying. that doesn't count. <laughs> doesn't count. Um, uh, yeah. But by the way, but the but just to, to talk about the ads for a second, yeah, you know, they they signed Howie Kendrick, right? You know, he was sort of guy that jumped around. He's a heck right. of a bat. You know, right. he can he can well, no, He's play also there. Like forty
2: they, years old, isn't he?
0: He he is. He is. He's <laughs> up there in his years, but but he's a nice player. They signed Eric Thames as well. That's maybe that's who I was that's thinking exactly about. It so is. that's who. Yeah, it is. Marcus so they, Thames. They, they, stands, they might right. have they might have some decent options, but uh, but none of them might oh, be Eric better James than James. the Phillies' options if they have Alec Bohm and Jay Bruce to play with, and and you know you maybe maybe you put Bruce at first base for a bit, you know, and and let, let Reese Hoskins serve as DH. So there's there's a lot of moving parts, and it it seems like the the Phillies might have a little bit of an edge compared to the National League East. Now, that's not the same as having J.D. Martinez as your designated hitter in the Boston Red Sox, right? I mean, that's that's where you're going to see. It doesn't totally match up, but at the end of the, the season, as long as you're fighting in division, you might be all right. Now, what about playing all those teams? You know, you know, it's one thing to talk about how you compare it to the National League East. If you're playing the you're you're playing the the Boston Red Sox, who maybe aren't as good as they were the last couple of years, uh, but the Yankees are a good team. Like, will will that hurt the Phillies long term in terms of, of of how they might perform?
1: I think when you look around all of them, yeah, I think when you look around all these divisions and how they're split up now it's kind of similar to what i said about with the phillies yeah maybe it helps them but it helps other teams you look around all this and there's going to be teams where you look at for example the phillies play the orioles okay well that's nice but then you factor in they got to play the yankees and you look through all of these divisions where they're going with the nlal central nl central it's going to be the same exact concept there'll be teams where it's what's <laughs> a walk in the park and then you see the teams at the top of it and it, it'll be a battle
0: by the way, I really wish they could do this and have this be a regular season where I could actually go to these ballparks. <laughs> you know, I, I I mean, I I hate Tropicana Field, but I would love to go down to St. Pete and see the Phillies there. I would love to go to Baltimore and, and stop at Pickle's Pub beforehand, you know, if anybody's been down there, you might know Pickle's Pub, but get a nice crab soup. You know, but but hey, we're watching it on TV, so <laughs> So we shall see. So th- this this will work itself out between the Players Association and MLB. Hopefully something comes together. And if it does, there will be Major League Baseball in a month for spring training, too. And maybe in two months, we're watching live action come July 4th, perhaps.
2: Just, just but- promise me, guys, this isn't going to fail miserably because my heart can't take it. <laughs> just just don't please don't tell me it's going to fail miserably.
1: I wish well, I, I haven't been able that. to.
0: I haven't been able to go axe throwing for two months, so I mean, like, nothing could be worse than that, right? Well, that's yeah. You don't strike me (laughs) as a big axe thrower. No, I've I've never actually done it in my life. I'm just joking around, (laughs) but but yeah, I agree. This this but at least for the first time, there's a real proposal. One side has agreed upon, and we will see how this plays out. Hopefully, by next week, we will have more answers, and that'll do it. We are out of time already, gentlemen. For Frank Close, Jeff Mosher. Hunter Brody, this is the Powder Blue Podcast. We will catch you next time.
1: Let's